Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. So good to see you this morning. Take out your worship guides this morning. Your first fill-in is ambition. No, I'm joking. I'm messing. I'm messing. I do got a lot of fill-ins, but we're going to get through it this morning. And uh, so good to see you here at our Valpo campus. You can take out your Bibles. Go to Romans chapter 2. That's where we're going to start this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 2 is where we're going to hang out at. And uh, take out your worship guide. You do have some notes. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you got a phone or an iPad. You can download version. We got it on the screen. Want to welcome our campuses this morning as well. North Judson, NPH, Hebron, Full Throttle Campus, Westville. Uh, let's see, Wanatal, Kentucky. I don't know where all of our churches are. I think we plant a church every week, it seems like, sometimes. Come on, make some noise for everybody watching online. You're in your living room. People ask me all the time, where's the next church going? I don't know. It just depends on where Pastor Phil rides on his motorcycle. We know. Who knows where a city will come up uh, that we're looking at. I love it. Aren't you glad to be at a church, though, that advances the kingdom of God? Amen? Tell you what, I'd much rather be dreaming and, and thinking about more ways to touch people rather than just sitting and being stale. That ain't no fun. Amen? That is no fun at all. And so uh, I'm glad that you're here today as we end up our series. This is our last week of ambition. What does it look like? What does it mean to have uh, ambition this morning? And, uh, and again, I don't have time to catch you up to total speed, so if you've missed, man, I challenge you, if you've missed one of these messages to go back and look at the last week, listen to the sermons, listen to the, to the word that we've been kind of looking at and unpacking. It's been challenging. Has anybody else been challenged but me this month? It's been good. All right, the rest of you are perfect. I've been challenged this month. And uh, it's just been good, good things to think of. Because that word ambition, you know, a lot of times it can conjure up different emotions, right, in people's lives. Some people, you know, when you think of the word ambition, we have mixed feelings because it, it captures different things. And, we, you know, we constantly wrestle. I was telling the first service last night in our, in our small group, we have an, a small group, an adult small group that we, that we meet and, uh, and we hang out with them. And we was talking even last night in our small group, you know, just trying to decipher one, one of, the, of the people that, that shared something in their heart. And they're like, I'm just trying to figure out, man, is this of God or is this of me? You know, you ever had that battle, right? Is this thought that I have? Is this dream that I have? Is this just me because I want to do it? Or is this, you know, God's put this inside of my heart and God's put this dream inside of me because it's something that's going to give him glory. And we find ourselves with that. And this morning, we go to Romans chapter 2 as we kind of conclude this particular uh, series today. And he writes in verse 5, we're going to read verse 5 through 11. He says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. There's a sobering scripture for you right there, right? So the first service, I think parents of teenagers, you should plaster that above their bed in their bedrooms so they know <laughs> because you're stubborn, right? Women are like, my, my kid's bed, my husband needs to read that message, read that, right? Because of your stubbornness, your unrepentant heart. Verse 6 says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, look at the words he's using. It says he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil first for the Jew and for, then for the Gentile, but glory, circle that word in your notes. This is a pretty strong word he's using in our text today. Glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Come on, let's pray one more time. God, I thank you for your goodness, for, for your grace and mercy in our lives. God, thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, and God, it's because of him not because we have it all together, not because we're good enough, but God, simply because of his sacrifice so we can have relationship with you. We can come into your presence this morning. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds this morning to what it is you have to 
say to us this morning. God, challenge and change every one of us. Let us leave different than how we were when we walked in, than, than how we were when we clicked on to watch that message today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said amen. Amen. Ambition. Ambition, again, is something that has mixed feelings in our life. It's this battle that we find ourselves in of being ambitious, of, of being ambitious, of setting goals for our life, of having dreams for our life, and trying to figure out, is this of me? Is this of God? Is this something I want to do because it's cool? Is this something I want to do because it sounds good? Is this something I want to do because it's going to make me famous? Or is this something that, that, that God has put inside of me? And, and really, when you think about it, write it down. We're getting right to the notes this morning, so Pastor Phil won't make fun of me. Ambition, really, and we see in our text this morning, ambition is wired inside each and every one of us. Verse 6, it says it like this, that God will repay each person according to what they have done. And if you read on Romans 6 through 8, it, it begins to show us that, that every human being is, ambition to some, is ambitious to some degree or another. Simply put, that we are wired. The, the, the text says it like this in Romans 2, verse 6 through 8. uses this word, that's a powerful word, that we are wired for glory. And you're like, Lord, that's, that's a pretty strong word. I mean, that sounds like a pretty self-centered, like selfish word. But, but this is what the text says this morning, that inside each and every one of us, this feeling of, the, of ambition, this, the, these dreams, these goals, these, these um, things that we want to achieve in, in our life, and we've learned all through month, is that, is that this, this thing called ambition is that it's something that is really part of each and every one of us. Again, you study history or you, or you study nature and you study other things around us. There, there's nothing else other than human beings that have been created. There's nothing else like us that, that seeks what we seek. We believe it or not, and you can say yes or no, but, but deep down inside, each and every one of us seek glory in some capacity. We seek accolades. We want to be known for something. We want to know our life matters, right? Amen? Anybody but me want to know that my life matters. You don't have to put ambition in our heart. It's already there, although through life it often gets quenched along the way. Matter of fact, you, you probably know this. You talk to little kids, right, when they're smaller, and you ask them what do they want to do and what do they want to be when they grow up. You know, we get a bunch of different answers, right? And, and it might be, I want to be famous. I want to be an NBA star. I want to uh, build things. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman. But a lot of times in, in little kids particularly, they will often preference it with, I want to be the greatest NBA star ever. I, I want to be the best fireman ever. I want to be the best policeman. I want to be, I want to build something. I want to be an architect and I want to be the best that there ever was. And, and, and yet, so we find this mentality as, as little kids and, and yet as adults, as we go through life and as culture and as things around us begin to, to shift and shape us, we, we find ourselves oftentimes losing that I want to be the greatest mentality. Now, again, we may not say it out loud, but I, I do know, too, I've never met anybody that says, you know what, I'm going to start a business, and I just want it to be the most mediocre business there is. I just want it to be average. I want to be the most average average business owner I can be. I want to have average business. I want to make average money. No, nothing too crazy, just average. Nobody ever says that. Nobody says, you know what, I want to get married one day, and, and when I get married, I just want to be an average husband. Like, maybe half the time my wife will appreciate me, half the time she'll like me, you know, maybe we'll get along half the time, just average, you know, just nothing big, nothing low, nothing, nothing too high, nothing. Nobody says, I want to be an average parent, I want to be an average coworker. I want to be an average athlete, you know, at school, I want to be an average uh, person in the club. Nobody says that out loud, right? Why? Because ambition is wired inside of everyone we, we have this desire to achieve. We have this a desire, and, and it's a godly desire. It's this word that he uses, glory, that we're wired for glory. And even though we're pulled away and we're drawn away from greatness, ultimately each and, each and every one of us inside, we're always pulled towards greatness. But I, I know that also not only is ambition wired in me, since it's there, right, it's God-given, I do know that through life my ambitions can be misplaced, misdirected, or even mixed. Then watch, it starts out godly. He's put it there. The Bible says we're wired for glory. So that means he has given us already the desires and the dreams. So they, they're from him because he placed them there. But, but because of life and because of circumstances, because of what I let my attention become to be uh, surrounded by and focused on, my ambitions can be misplaced, misdirected, and mixed. 
I'll even take it a step further, uh, and I would even add that sometimes my ambition can be miscalculated. Uh, we were watching uh, yesterday, Saturday, we was watching a stream. I don't know if you realize, but Morgan Township, which is just right down the road, it's a little 1A school that a lot of times people don't think much of, but the girls, the cross-country team, just went down the state and competed uh, yesterday. For the first time in school history, a 1A school uh, competed um, at cross-country. You could be excited for Morgan Township. That's our neighbor, right? Come on, Isabella. Did you cheer when I said that, Isabella? Wave at everyone, Isabella. She's going to be so mad at me. Point at her for me. There you go. Wave, Isabella. She was down there running. And I didn't make the trip. I couldn't make the trip. And, but we watched the stream. Uh, and if you don't know anything about cross country, I do not know much. If you've been around here very long, you know my stance on running. It's of the devil, so I don't do it. I don't, I don't see no reason of it. But there are those who are gifted. Isabella is one. She's very gifted. Her brother, Xander, he's a runner. Like, there are people that in our youth ministry that are very gifted. And so, so we was watching the stream, and the girl who won, my God, I thought she was sprinting the whole race. She ran a 17, what was it, Isabella? Seven, it was fast, y'all. It was 17 minutes. She ran a 5K in like 17 minutes and 13 seconds. I, don't, I can't even get to the couch and the fridge back to the couch in like 17 minutes and 13 seconds. It takes me a minute to figure out what I'm going to eat. And this girl is just flying, and she's dominating the race. And, and they have these announcers. Again, you know, I was laughing. I'm like, how exciting can you be announcing running? But they were doing a good job, like, you know, let, telling you stories about girls. that you know, and, and some of the people that was running, they would zoom in and tell a story. And there was one particular girl there, and I don't even remember how she finished up, but she must have been high in the rankings. And and, and, uh, and she didn't do as well as, as what they said that she was supposed to do. Um, and the reason was is because she started off in the race and she miscalculated her pace. I guess that means something to runners. It doesn't mean anything to me. But she had miscalculated her pace. She started off too quickly and so she didn't have enough left in the tank to finish the way she wanted to finish. And it caused her to not finish as high as a lot of people had projected for her to finish. And uh, I thought of that when I, when I saw that. I said, man, it's really the same way in life. That sometimes we can be so ambitious in the beginning and we miscalculated, right, what we're supposed to do. We miscalculated our next step. We miscalculated sometimes the timing that, that we find ourselves finishing a little bit weaker than maybe what we wanted to start. We find ourselves finishing weaker than how we started. We find ourselves, you know, finishing not as strong. Man, I had these goals and I had these dreams. And, man, I started off and I was so strong and I was excited about it. And yet, and yet, and sadly, we see it, you know, pastor and the staff, we talk about it so many times. That's one thing I commend my dad and our pastor for, that even as, he, as he's getting up in age, and he's getting up in age, y'all. Like he's getting up in age. And so I told the first service, you know, he's been talking to us this, this month. He said, I'm going to talk to you in a dad voice. And I'm like, well, I'm like the little brother voice. That's the age I'm at. I'm like, I'm not your dad. I'm not your uncle. I'm like your little brother. I'm going to put myself in that category. But, but as he gets up in age, like the passion and the vision and the dream is just continuing on. And I see other people in life, not just pastors, but other people in life that as they get older, you just see their vision and their dreams and their passion just wane and, and begin to decrease. And my prayer for us and my prayer for you is, man, as, as, as we are ambitious, I, I pray that God not only just makes sure that, that I don't get misplaced or misdirected or mixed, but I don't want to get miscalculated. I want to finish, man, just as strong as I started. I want to, I want to be just as fire on God the, the day that I step out of this earth and go to eternity just as the day I was when I started. I want to be just as passionate as a dad, as a husband, as I was that first day that, that my kids came in my life or that day that I was at the altar and I made that declaration to my wife. I don't want to be somebody that just wanes as life goes on. And if we're not careful, though, that ambition in our life, what, what is ambition? The definition I'm, I want to give you today, ambition is just simply this, an aim or objective, objective that somebody is trying to achieve. It's one's aspirations, one's desire, one's drive, one's determination, ambition. We've been spending some time this month talking through, again, how it's not wrong. And that's what Romans chapter 2 is showing us today, that it's it's not wrong, per se, for any of us to have goals and ambitions that drive us. I'm glad I'm at a church. I'm glad I'm part of a church community, man, that we drive to build God's kingdom. We're always thinking and dreaming and looking. And we was just somewhere 
uh, uh, just a couple weeks ago, and Pastor John and Pastor James and I was in a room with some youth pastors, and, and they were picking our brains because they know how active we are in the school campuses, and they said, man, how do you do it? And we've networked with two other youth pastors, and they've now got, uh, you know, connected in, in their schools and in their community, and I just flat out told them, listen, pre-COVID, if, if, if a youth pastor or even a church community, if they're not on a school campus, it's just simply because they're lazy. That's why they're not on a school campus. Because there's so many opportunities, so many things that, that you can accomplish, again, that, that you can go serve needs. And so I'm glad that, that I'm at a place that, man, ambition and dreams and desire is always there. Because that's not bad. It's not a bad thing to be that way. Jesus, he did a whole parable, y'all, of talents. Where he said he gave somebody ten, he gave somebody five, and he gave somebody one. And, and he praised who? The, the two who multiplied their talents. And the one that just went and hit it in the ground and wasn't ambitious, the Bible says that not only did he not praise him, he took the one that he, that he gave him and says, well, you don't deserve that one. And he gave it to the guy who had multiplied his ten. That tells me something, that, that Jesus even sees value in being ambitious. But it's this balance, right, that we have to fight. It's this battle that we are all in. And I wonder this morning how ambitious we are this morning. What, what is it in our life that maybe we need to look as we've been through this series that we need to think about, man, what is it in my life that I have, have settled? But this is what I do know about ambition, that there's two types of people when it comes to ambition. ambition. Number one is this. There are those who are self-seeking, and that's selfish ambition. And then there's those, again, this is the word the Bible uses, not me. There are those who are glory-seeking, and that's godly ambition. Again, the word glory that, again, in my mind, I was like, I, I don't compute that with being God-honoring. When I say I'm after glory, I would, I, or I'm seeking glory, that just computes to me like, no, that's a selfish ambition. But I want to walk you through this morning what the text shows us. Because, again, we see in Romans chapter 2, verse 7, and Romans chapter 2, verse 8. Can we go back to our text? Let me just read verse 7 and verse 8 to you. Verse 7 says this, that to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, there's that word, so they're seeking glory. They're, they're going after this thing. It says they're seeking glory, honor, and immortality. Watch what he does. He says he will give those eternal life. Those ambitious people seeking what? Glory, honor, and immortality. He will give them eternal life. But verse 8, but for those who are self-seeking, selfish, and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So we see in Romans chapter 2, verse 7, good ambition is described. Romans chapter 2, verse 8, bad ambition is described. And there's this important word here in Romans chapter 2 that is literally at the heart of the concept of, the, of ambition. And it's this word, I never really thought about it until I read this. It's this word, glory. You, you study the New King James Version, you see the word glory shows up 384 times. It's, very, it's a very important word biblically, and it's really at the heart of the topic of ambition. So much that, in fact, I could say, and we could say that an alternate definition of ambition would be this. The strong desire to achieve success and obtain glory. Well, that doesn't sound very godly. The, the strong desire to achieve success and obtain glory. Again, Romans chapter 2 gives us these, this, this look of good ambition, godly ambition, and selfish ambition. Again, it's this battle I referenced to you in my small group. It's this battle that we all know what it's like to be there to say, man, is this of God or is this of me? Is this, is this about like trying to make God famous? Is this about trying to bring glory to God or is this just about myself? And so the question I have for you and I this morning is to simply ask us this, is what is the difference between the glory sinking Ambition of Romans chapter 2, verse 7, and the self-seeking ambition of Romans chapter 2, verse 8. In other words, what is the difference between godly ambition and selfish ambition? John Piper, it's, it's a quote that I love. I gave it to you in your notes. He says it like this, that godly ambition is, is radically God-centered. Radically God-centered. Godly ambition, write it down. I'm going to give you a few of them. Godly ambition ends with us reflecting God's glory. I'm going to show you what that looks like today. 
Again, what's the difference between godly ambition and selfish ambition? Okay, I get it. I'm wired for glory. I'm wired with these things. So how do I navigate these things in life? How do I keep these things in, in check? Selfish ambition looks like this. It ends with us rivaling his glory. So watch. Godly ambition reflects selfish ambition rivals his glory. I wrote it like this. Selfish ambition is pursuing my own glory as detached from the glory of God. Pursuing my own glory. Again, it's the word, it's the word used in Romans chapter 2. He says, for those who pursue glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So there's something necessarily that is not just bad about the word. It's just which one am I seeking? Well, I think one of the greatest examples of this, perhaps the best example ever, is the selfish ambition of Satan himself. Like, like what got himself in trouble? Some of you might know this, but Satan started out as an angel. He was, he was in heaven. He was part of the angelic presence, and yet he found himself in trouble because he makes this statement, I want to be like the most high. I want to be God. I want to be the one getting the glory. I want to be the one with the praise. What happened? His ambition radically changed when it became radically un-God-centered. And isn't it crazy that the first time we see him pop up to man and woman in the Garden of Eden is what does he challenge them with? Some of you might know the story. They're at the tree, right? And, and, the, and the serpent pops up. The enemy pops up. And he says, well, what's going on? And Eve's like, I can't, you know, God said we cannot eat. We cannot touch of this tree. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God's like, you can have everything and anything in this garden. Just do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve says, well, listen, he told me we cannot eat it. We cannot touch it. That was her first mistake is because really she got it twisted what God said in the first place. God didn't say you cannot eat it. You cannot touch it. He said do not eat it. And a lot of times our own first, our first mistake in life is oftentimes that we'll misconfuse and we'll misconstrue and we'll, and we'll misunderstand what God had said in the first place. And the enemy really gets us twisted is because he gets us second guessing what God said already. Right, and that's what happened to Eve. And so he says, oh, no, no, listen. And, and look, look what he says in the scripture. Go read the story this week. When he goes to her in Genesis, she says, well, God said I cannot eat it and I cannot touch it because then that's bad. He goes, no, 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 that's not a bad thing. He says, if you eat it and if you touch it, he says, you're going to be just like him. And you're going to know the difference between good and evil. What is he saying? You're going to be on the same level as God. You're going to be just as glorious as he is. And watch again. Hear me this morning. Selfish ambition is pursuing my own glory. That's what got him in trouble. It's pursuing my own glory as the touch from the glory of God. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Pastor Matt, we were all in church today. Like, we are good. We were watching online. I watched it later on. Like, what do you mean? Like, do people actually do that? Yes. Guess what? We do it all the time. I do it. Okay, maybe you don't. I do it all the time. Y'all looking at me like you never do it. I do it all the time. I have this selfish ambition. Again, I have these pursuit. I have these things. Again, that we're wired for the glory. We're wired with the dreams. We're wired with the desires. And yet, sometimes if I'm not careful, I let the very godly things, because I have got off balance in my life, become the very selfish things. The things that he put there, the things that he designed me for, I find myself getting off. So how do, how do I know then? All right, Pastor Matt, I get it. Romans chapter 2, how do I know if, my, if, I, if I'm having selfish ambition, what are, some, what are some signs? What are some symptoms? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you what that is for you this morning. I'm going to help you out. The, some, some symptoms of selfish ambition, write it down. Number one, it starts with this. It starts with comparison of others. And I'm, I'm not going to unpack all of these scriptures for you this morning. I challenge you to go home this week and begin to let the Holy Spirit Get a notepad, get, get a Bible, read this. Let the Holy Spirit challenge your thinking and, and what it is that you're looking at. But, but in 2 Corinthians, we see the Apostle Paul, and he begins to write uh, to the people of, of the church. And, and, he, and he's kind of pointing out to them that, listen, you're messing up because you're seeking your own glory. Because you're comparing yourself with other people. That's how it's showing up. Your comparison with other people is making you miss out on really the biggest thing in life, the most important things in life. There, there was a book that, uh, his name was Dave Harvey, and he retells the story of Julius Caesar reading for the first time about Alexander the Great. Many of us know Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, more, you know, two great prominent men in history that, that accomplished some great things in their own right, right? 
And the story goes that after reading about Alexander's battles and, and his expeditions and some of the things he did, that the young Julius Caesar burst into tears, started crying, started weeping. His friends came to him like, yo, Julius Caesar, what's up, dog? Why are you, why are you crying? Like, why are you, you just read about this guy and the things he accomplished? Why are you so upset? Uh, and, and history records that, that he responded in the manner of this. He said that Alexander at my age had conquered so many nations, and, and I have all of this time done nothing that is memorable with my life. Like, how sad is that? Now, we know on this side of history, Julius Caesar accomplished some things, right? was a pretty, pretty good dude in history, like, like taught some, some great things. But talk about selfish ambition. I mean, to the point where he thought, because I don't measure up to Alexander the Great, I mean, Alexander the Great's a pretty good dude. He's got the Great as part of his name. Nobody's never referenced me, Matt the Great. That'd be cool, though, if you did. But nobody's ever referenced me, Matt the Great. Alexander the Great, he's accomplished some great things in his life. And so how, 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 how like, what, a, what an indoctrination of selfish ambition is pretty bad to the fact that, in his eyes, he didn't measure up to that guy. And so it brought him to tears. And again, you and I may not say, like, I would never do that. Right? I would never cry because I read of someone else. But, but I, wonder, I wonder how often we do fall prey to comparisons in our life. It's, it's really this sin and this temptation for mankind that has been there for a very long time. We've seen it magnified just over the last few years as social media has been on the rise. Come on, you know good and well you do it just like I do it. You see them post something like, well, my family don't look like that. Like, why, why do their kids smile better than my kids? Well, I mean, like, well, he, he's not losing as much hair as I'm losing, and he's older than me. Like, how, how's his hair still nice and full? I'm not losing hair, by the way. I'm just making a comparison. Don't get, I'm not self-conscious. I'm just saying. But, and we start comparing, well, why is their car so much nicer? I mean, I, mean, I know they, they do what I do, but how do they have such a nice car? How do they have such a big house? I mean, how do they have the time to do all these vacations and do all, like, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you've never done that before. Right there, we find ourselves comparison comparing and and we find matter of fact there was just a study done uh and they and they released this news story and they talked about how young adults age 35 and younger if that's you raise your hand today you're 35 and younger raise your hand come on all you young people all right cool cool 35 and younger online just throw it in I'm 35 and you don't lie in the church either if you're saying that and you're not but they said that at the age of 35 and younger that um plastic surgery is skyrocketing in record numbers right now in that population of our, of, our, of our nation, 35 and younger. Now listen, I'm 41. That's not even something that's ever even remotely crossed my mind. And in the article they talked about, though, how the age of 35 and under, because of the presence of social media and what they see on the news and what they see in culture, that there's so much pressure to them at just the age of 35 and younger that they, they're going now and make appointments for physical alterations and things and to tuck and to pull and to make it look tighter and all, all of this stuff to, because they find themselves always looking in comparison and comparing themselves to other people. And again, for you and I, you're probably like, well, I would never, ever go get plastic surgery because someone else. And I know we, hopefully and prayerfully we would not do that. And, and, but, but again, we often find ourselves in this moment. And, and I don't know about you, but when I find myself comparing with other people, it's going to do one or two things. I will either uh, feel puffed, puffed up, like I'm, I'm better than I should be, or I find myself being depressed because I cannot measure up. Then my ego gets inflated, right? Or... My ego gets deflated because I'm like, I'll never be like that person. I'll never achieve what they've achieved. I mean, I mean, God's put dreams in, in my heart, but my dream is not as big as that dream. And, and like, so why can't, why, can't, why can't I go do things like that? And we find ourselves in really the ultimate, uh, it ultimately comes down to is just really selfish ambition creeping out in our life. Comparison with others, y'all didn't like this one. Let me give you the second one. Craving the approval of man. The approval of man, because we compare ourselves now we're, we're craving, we're starving for this approval of other people. John chapter 12 tells of the story where Jesus is doing ministry and, and people, the Bible tells us that, that people, um, even people in, that are rulers, that are religious leaders, they believe, people in the community, they believe in Jesus, they believe in his teaching, they believe in what he's saying, that they want to sell out to what, to what he's preaching. And yet because of the Pharisees, they're unwilling to confess Jesus pub publicly and the Bible says it like this, because they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And, and I wonder, hear me this morning in our life, I wonder in my own life, in our life, if we looked at our life right now, could we say that about ourselves? 
Do we hunger for the praise of men more than we do the praise of God? Are we afraid to witness to that coworker because we're afraid of what they might say to us? Students, are we afraid as we're on the campus to be that man and woman of integrity and character, even though all of our other friends are doing all of this other stuff, but to take a stand for morality and integrity and character? Are we afraid because, man, but what if they make fun of me? What if they laugh? What if they say something about me? What if they ostracize me? Are we afraid to witness? Are we afraid to use the things that God has put inside of us? And here's another, why, why do you even want to serve? Why do you want to use your gifts and talents in church? Is it so that people will praise you, pat you on the back, or is it so you can glorify God and use what he's put inside of you? Or, or here, here's a good one, here's a good one. How do you respond when you don't even get the glory you do deserve? Should we just pray right now? Like, 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 how do you respond when that coworker gets the accolades? You're like, but they hardly even did anything on that project. I'm the one that worked the hardest on that project. I'm the one that put more time. How, how do you respond, you know, when you're an athlete on the court and the coach is bragging on someone else and you're like, but I'm the one that made the pass and set the good screen and they didn't even do anything. Like, they barely caught the ball when I handed it to them. Why are you bragging on them right now? Like, how do you respond when you don't get the glory you should get? What does it look like? Are, are you hungry more for the approval of man than the, than the approval of God? That leads on to the next one, sinful perfectionism. I could preach a whole message on this one. When it's not just about being excellent, when it's not just about striving for the best, but it's about being perfect. Oh, I love excellence. I love striving for being everything you can be. I, I love for crossing the T and dotting every I and doing your best to, you know, ha have a good product or doing your best to be the best athlete or doing your best in the classroom or, or doing your best. To, I, listen, I'm all about men striving for greatness, but, when it, but it's deadly and it's even sinful when it turns into perfectionism. And then this is what we'll even do as a parent. We'll project it onto our kids and they begin to feel the weight. I got to be perfect. I can't mess up. I got to get it right all the time. Mom and dad is going to be mad if I don't get it right all the time. Mom and dad's going to be mad if I get a bad grade. Mom and dad, again, I'm all about striving. Oh, hear me this morning. I'm all about setting goals for your life, but it can become deadly and sinful when it becomes perfectionism. And then here's one. Oh, James 3 talks about it. It's factionalism. What is, what is factionalism? It's basically where you have one big group of people, and yet it gets divided because one side thinks their opinion is more important than the other side. We see it in our culture today. That's the reason we can't have conversations with people anymore. It's because they've done such a good so job saying that one side is more important than the other side. And we've lost the ability to come and communicate. We've lost the ability to have conversation. And we've lost the ability to relate to people. And ultimately, it's damaged the gospel in many circles because no longer is the gospel being preached and Jesus being proclaimed. It's just about, well, I'm right and you're wrong. It is quiet in here today. James, in James chapter 3, is what he's writing to the churches because there's conflict going on. Because it's a church body, and one side thinks their opinion is more important than the other side. Both have truth. Both have things that are important. Both have things that they should be doing. And yet, because they've tried to place uh, more emphasis or more, uh, or more importance on their view or on their voice, now there is conflict happening. And I'll be honest. I'm going to be honest, y'all. I'm guilty of that bad in my life. Not necessarily like on, on, a, uh, on like big issues or thinking my opinion matters, but listen, there are some Saturdays, y'all, that I'm going to be honest, you should be interceding for my life because I think my wife might kill me on some Saturdays. Because this is what happens. We'll have like a busy week, things are going on, and again, I know y'all probably, y'all don't go through this, but when we're busy in life, sometimes the house gets a little dirty, like there's laundry, things, because we're just running. And I love house, I don't mind helping with housework, and I don't mind doing things. And so sometimes, like, as, as life happens, right, there's, there's dishes, there's, I mean, there's, there's just things that happen, because we're going, and sports, and all this stuff. And so they'll wake up on a Saturday, and it's been a busy week, and my kids are, like, just hanging out on the couch, you know, eating the Fruit Loops, and watching TV, and my wife's reading a book, because that's what she, do to, she does to relax. And I will walk in, on like at 8.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I'm like, why is everybody sitting down? We got stuff to do today. Everybody up. Turn the TV off. I need you to get out your PJs. I need you to go brush your hair, brush your teeth, and let's go. We got to start working. And I'm, I'm grabbing the vacuum, and I'm vacuuming angrily. I know, pray for me. I got issues. And I'm like, there's so much stuff to do today. I don't know why anybody, and she's like, no, we'll get it done, hon. Like, we just want to relax. No, there's no time for relaxing. Everybody up. Jesus might come back right now, and I don't want the house to be dirty when Jesus comes back. And so everybody up. We got the, and I'm just yelling, and I'm barking, and the next thing you know, like, I have robbed my whole house of peace, y'all. 
Why? Not because even necessarily that what I was saying was not important, but because I tried to elevate on importance my opinion and what I thought over what they was wanting to accomplish that day. And again, that happens in our life. We do it with other people. It might be, it might not be in that capacity, but we'll find ourselves. And what he's showing us on this and what, it, what, it, what he shows us in James chapter 3 is oftentimes in this, watch this, that selfish ambition and conflict go hand in hand. So here's another question I'd ask the first service. How much conflict have you had this past week? Because if you've had a, a lot of conflict, and there's good conflict, we don't have time to have a counseling session and talk about that today. There's a good conflict that can happen. But if you walk around your life with conflict all the time, could it be maybe because you're living a little bit too selfishly? If it's constantly conflict with your kids, if it's constant conflict in your marriage, if it's constant conflict in your job, maybe could it be because of selfish ambition that has creeped in your life? And, and, and then conflict leads on then to this, pride. And all pride can be so deadly. We know the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. Pride is the things that sets up in our life that then says, well, my, my way is the right way and my thought process is the right thought process and this is what we should do and nobody else has it right but me and we know how dangerous that can be. And then it moves on from pride to then, number six, we, we build monuments to ourselves instead of monuments to God. And I know what you're thinking, like, yeah, but... No. Pastor, man, I will never build a monument to myself. I've never done that. There's no statue in my house of me. There's no structure that, that I worship because of me. No, you're right, but I wonder what kind of attitude and what thought processes we have that we've elevated ourselves. that, again, we want to get the glory. And, and I think one of the greatest, go, go study Samson's life this week. You want to see somebody who really was a great example of selfish ambition. You want to see somebody who really got it wrong. And thank God for grace and mercy, and we know how the story ends. But go read Samson's life this week. A lot of people think Samson got it wrong when Delilah came on the scene. But it was way before Delilah showed up that we realized that Samson had an issue going on in his heart. And Delilah really just exposed on a greater extent and a greater level what was already buried down deep. Matter of fact, Judges chapter 15, Delilah doesn't show up to Judges 16. And in Judges chapter 15, Samson is fighting the Philistines. He's got this battle going on with them. And uh, some of you might know the story. The Bible says he takes 300 foxes, ties their tails, lights it on fire. He goes into the fields like the fields get destroyed. And the Philistines are ticked, rightfully so. They're like, you destroyed everything. So now we're going to uh, take what we can from you. And so they get in this battle. Samson runs up to the cave and, and he's hiding from the Philistines. Philistines, and, uh, and so his people show up, his own people say, like, Samson, listen, you really ticked them off, and, uh, and we're having to deal with it right now, and it's because of what you did, so either you come out and handle it, or we're going to have some, some major issues, and Samson's like, I got this idea, tie me up, promise you won't kill me, show, uh, you know, lead me to him, and when I get there, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break out, do some Kung Fu, Cobra Kai, and I'm going to bust out, and then, like, it's going to be on, and so they take him to, to, uh, to the Philistines, and the Bible says that the Spirit of God falls on him, and he, he busts out of, of, of how they tied him up, and and he grabs a donkey's jawbone that's just randomly sitting there, and he says, this is what I'm going to do battle with. Why he chose that, I have no idea. But he grabs the jawbone of a donkey, and he kills a 1,000 Philistines. It's a pretty bad dude. I've never killed anyone, right, and I, I don't plan on doing that. But the donkey of a jawbone would not be my go-to weapon of choice if that was to ever happen. I've never thought of it, but that would not be my thing to do. And so he grabs this donkey uh, jawbone, and he slays a 1,000 people, and, and he's battled. And in Judges chapter 15, watch, let me show you something. So, so he's battled and he's killed him, and, and now he lays down and he's thirsty, rightfully so. He just killed a 1,000 people, y'all, with a jawbone of a donkey, and he's thirsty and he's out in the desert, and he lays out and, and he begins to cry out and he prays. And I think it's alarming that really that's the first time we ever see Samson pray in his life. It's really when he needed something. Come on, aren't we guilty of that? That we want God to show up to our rescue. And he does because he's good and he's gracious. He shows up, right? So he prays out to God. He's not really even praying. He's complaining. He's like, listen, did you just bring me out here to let me starve and, and let me die of thirst? And the Bible says that God moves on his behalf, busts two rocks open, and water flows out, just like he did for the children of Israel. And water flows out, and, and he drinks from that, from that flowing brook, and his strength gets encouraged. 
Now, you would think Samson runs back to town and is like, yo, let me tell you what God just did for my life. Like, let me just tell you how he showed up. You won't believe what happened. There was a, a jawbone of a donkey. I grabbed it. I did some kung fu, and I whooped up on a 1,000 Philistines, killed them. Then I was thirsty, and I was like, God, what should we do? And God's like, I got you. And he split these two rocks open. But if you go study, it's so alarming. And I saw it for the first time ever. He didn't get in trouble with Deliah. It creeps out of his life right here. God moves on his behalf, causes water to flow out of a rock, and he names the rock, this is what he calls it. It was, it was a big deal in the Bible when God showed up. They would often name those moments. And oftentimes the moment that they named or the place that they named always reflected back to God. But look at what Samson, the Bible says that he names it in Hakor, which means simply this, watch. It doesn't mean God provided. It doesn't mean God showed up on my behalf. It doesn't mean God made it happen. You know what it means when you study it out? It simply means fountain of the crier. Or one translation says it like this, spring of the caller. Who did he get the attention back on himself? To himself. A moment that God had showed up in his life, you see it right here in Samson's life. Boom, shows up. His selfish ambition creeps out because God has done a miracle. And who does he give the attention to? Well, I'm the one that prayed the prayer. I mean, it wasn't God that made the water come, but it was me. I mean, Pastor Matt, you got to know, like, I, when I pray, oh, I get God's attention. Oh, he can do some stuff. I mean, when I, when I pray, I said that prayer, and, and I called out, and God moved on my behalf. And he found himself, his self-satisfaction self really started there, and it was just magnified by Delilah in Judges chapter 16. His self-satisfaction, his selfish ambition, building monuments to myself instead of monuments to God, and that leads ultimately to lack of love. We, we know that biblically love sacrifices itself for the good of another. But selfish ambition, again, the difference between Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter, Romans chapter 2 and 7, Romans chapter 2 and 8, selfish ambition makes other people sacrifice so I can get ahead. It makes other people let go of things so I can be greater. And again, when you think of like how you relate to your parents, how you relate to your grandparents, when you think of how you relate to your friends, to your coworkers, Think about when you get married and you start that marriage relationship. Think about when you started that job and that career. A lot of times when we first make that step, it's like, I just, man, I just want to serve. I just want to be happy. I want to serve. I want, I want to make the other person happy. I want, I want to do what I can to make my boss successful. You know, I want, I want to go to that school and I want to do what I can to, to help out my sports team. I want to do what I can to, to succeed in the classroom. And, you know, if I can help the teacher out, that's great. If I can help out the church, that's, I'm, just, I'm just here to serve, right? We always, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to be a part. I'm just here to serve. Use me. Use me, Lord. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Right? We sing it. Right? Well, I'm just here to serve. And if we don't, if we're not careful, those good things, again, what are, those are things that God has placed. We've been wired for the glory. He's put them inside of there. And yet we can find ourselves letting selfish ambition begin to be a part of us and, and we not put it in check. And finally, it gets us to a place where we constantly make other people sacrifice so that we can achieve greatness. And it's now not I'm here to serve, but what can you do for me? Not am I, I'm here to serve, but how can you Serve me. How can you advance me in this company? How can you advance my dreams? How can you make me happy? Pastor said something so great last week. I wrote it down. It wasn't in our notes, but he talked about how godly ambition is hustle and humility. It's grinding it out, but it's also staying humble. It's also saying, man, how can I as a dad serve my kids? How can I as a husband serve my wife? How can I fulfill their dreams, their desires? How can I set them up for success? How can I, as a pastor to this next generation, that, that don't have to wait till they're out of high school or wait out of college, but how can I set them up for success now where they can be world changers? Because that's what God calls them to be, world changers, not when they get out of school, not when they graduate college, not when they're finally married, but, but when they can be world changers right there on that campus. What can I do to help them succeed? Because again, verse 7 and verse 8, come on, Lindsay, I'm almost done. Ha-ha, I'm on time. Verse 7 and verse 8. Again, he says, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life, godly ambition. But you seek those things, he says you get, he's going to give you eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. 
I get it. Listen, I get this has been a tough series. Even today, I, I get it's been tough because the Holy Spirit is pointing out and, and, and looking at some things that maybe we've allowed. We've got some symptoms of selfish ambition. So I get it, Pastor Matt, selfish ambition. I see the symptoms that are in my life. But what do I do to get past that? What, what does it mean then to pursue the glory and have this radically God-centered ambition? Again, glory is not a negative word. He used, what does it mean to pursue those things? And to do it in a godly way. I'm, I'm going to give you three truths this morning, then we're going to pray. Three truths for you and I to keep in mind if we wanted to have this God-centered ambition. So we've been praying for you, man. I, I know even in this series, some of you, God's been stirring up some things in your heart that you kind of push on the back shelf. And God's bringing it back up and saying, no, those are God things. Those are, those are dreams that I've put inside of you. Even as we've talked more and more, you know, again, Pastor mentioned it Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we got our next legacy banquet. As we've been talking to people and praying and, again, just talking more about the Sunshine Center, we're constantly just rehearsing in our minds, checking ourselves. Listen, God, what, you've put it there for a reason, but, and we want to make sure that you get the glory. We want to make sure that, that, man, your kingdom is exalted through that. Not heartland. We might get some recognition, and that's cool, but that's not why we do what we do. It's not why we want to do what we are about to do. It's not what we do, what we are doing already. But, 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 so what is it that, that I do? Well, here's three truths I need to keep in mind if I want to have God-centered ambition. If I want to chase those things that he's put there, put there. Here's the first thing that you and I must remember. We worship what we perceive to be glorious. That's natural. That's human nature. We worship what we perceive to be glorious. You don't believe me? Go to an NBA arena. It's packed. And I love the NBA. I love college basketball. I love games. Go to any sports arena across this nation. People worship what they receive to be glorious, perceive to be glorious. You don't believe me? Look at what gets liked on Instagram, on social media. Look how many people follow us, the quote famous people they follow. They want to be like them. They want to dress like them. They want to talk like them. They want to have those things. Why? Because we worship what we perceive to be glorious. Why? Because that's our nature. That's, that's designed. God put it there to chase after the glory. So if that's the, if that's a true statement, then here's the question I must ask myself, am I putting God in his proper place in my life? Cuz if the truth is I worship what I perceive to be glorious, then I must understand I must keep God where he deserves to be and that's number 1 in my life because he is ultimately the most most glorious thing. He is ultimately the one worthy of all the praise. He is ultimately the one worthy of all the follows, of all the attention, of all the glory, of, of, all, of all the things that I can give. He is the one that is worthy. He is the one that is the most glorious. So for you and I, we have to constantly evaluate and adjust. Am I putting God in the proper place of my life? Is he the one getting all of my attention? Because I worship what I perceive to be glorious. So am I viewing God in his glorious nature? Am I understanding who he is? Here's the second truth. Watch. We seek to get as close to the glory as possible. Again, this is human nature. I worship what I perceive to be glorious. I seek to get as close to the glory as possible. This is very true. You ever been in a room somewhere and somebody walks in and they're just like that charismatic person? I, I kind of vision it as like when I walk in the house for the first time after being gone all the day that this is how my family views me. It's like, oh, dad is home. Of course, I've been waiting all day to hang out with dad. Of course, my husband is home. I cannot wait to just tell him about my awesome day and have conversation. That's really not how it goes sometimes. But, but you've been in a place, right, and somebody walks in that is charismatic and kind of just takes over that room. You know what I'm talking about. And immediately you're like, oh, man, I want to go talk to that person. I want to go introduce myself. I want to go hang out. Like, I want, I want to see what they're all about. Like, I want to know their story. I want to go get a cup of coffee. Like, maybe we can be friends. Like, like, maybe, you know, maybe I'll get to know them a little bit more. And we've been in those places where the Debbie Downer walks in, wah, 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 and everybody runs to the other side of the building, right? Why? We're attracted. We're attracted to the, to the things that brings glory in our life. We're, we want to get as, as close. It's human nature. We want to get as close as glory to the possible. So again, watch the flow in our life. So we worship what we perceive to be glorious. So I have to ask myself, am I putting God in his proper place? And we seek to get as close to the glory as possible. So am I, the question I must ask myself, am I constantly growing closer to God and his work in my life? 
if he's the one worthy of the most glory, then as I give him that attention, watch, I'm, not, I, I'm attracted. God, I want to know the plans you have for me. God, I want to know the, the desires you put inside. God, I, I want to know what it is you want me to accomplish today. God, I want to know the, the moments that you have set up for me today. Why? Because we seek to get as close to the glory as possible. So am I constantly growing through the word, through church, through small groups, through using my gifts and talents? Those are the things through prayer that I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly uh, drawing closer to him. The Bible says that as we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. And I'm getting myself more in his presence. And I'm getting around. And so watch, as I do that, he continues to keep me in check and those selfish ambitions begin to go away and those godly ambitions, the things that give him glory becomes greater in my life and then I have to understand thirdly this truth as we desire to share in the glory that we worship. Again, Romans chapter 2 says it's there. It's how we're wired. So we desire to share in the glory that we worship. I put God number one in my life. He's worthy of all the glory. And because I know he's worthy of all the glory, now I'm attracted. Now I want to be closer to him. I want to know him more. And ultimately, I desire to share in that glory. And the Bible says that we receive that as we do it in a godly manner. But here's the question we have to ask, myself, or ask ourselves. Is my, in my ambitions of life, is it all pointing back to God? That's ultimately how I share in his glory. Again, what, is, what does Romans 2 and 7 say? Go back to it again one more time. It says, to those who by persistence and doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. So in my ambitions of life, is it all pointing back to God? Verse 9 and 10. I want you to stand this morning as I read this. He goes on to write in verse 9, Romans chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, he says, There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But watch verse 10. But when we chase it, when we keep it godly, when I stay God-centered, but glory, honor, and peace. Does anybody need some glory this morning? Does anybody need some honor this morning? Does anybody need some peace this morning? He says, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. Glory, honor, and peace for those who keep those godly ambitions centered in their life, those things that he placed there to first in the first place that as we, as, we, uh, uh, as we allow the Holy Spirit to keep us in check and they don't become selfish ambition, the Bible says that we receive glory, honor, and peace. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.